G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And joining me in the studio is a couple of good-looking roosters today. Uh, My good buddy, Pastor Andrew McLennan from 17 Mile Church and his mate, who's also my mate, uh, Rob Carmen from the US, who's also a pastor. How are you doing, brother? I'm mad. I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) I never see you hardly when I come out here. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you too, Rob. Uh, Now, I've had you on the radio before here. Some of our listeners may remember, but for those who don't know your story, tell us a bit of your background. Well, Matt, we, uh, we've done a lot of different things through the years. We pastored uh, one of the largest churches in our state, in the state of New Mexico, for 22 years. And then we turned that entire work over about 18 years ago, began to extensively go out, train people, mainly pastors, church leaders in different parts of the world. That's brought us about training around 50,000 people, 50,000 future you know, pastors, church leaders, and so on and so forth. Currently, we are broadcasting now in the nation of uh, our, our leadership school, which is called 412 Leadership School. We're in the nation of Iran, Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Turkey, uh, Europe, North Africa. Then we're going into the Hispanic. It's all subtitled in Farsi. It was going to be dubbed in Farsi. And then from there, we're going, we uh, launching it throughout the Latin world and into Bulgaria, Botswana, Africa, and then... Uh, being tra- uh, also translated now into um, uh, Russian. Mm. So it's a school designed to develop leaders, and uh, it, it allows us to duplicate ourselves um, uh, you know, many times over without having to physically always go there. So and that's so, one of the things we're be, you know, that we're heavily involved in right now. And when you say broadcasting, is that like a daily program, weekly? What, what's the, what's, what kind of broadcasting product is it? In, uh, in the Middle East, we're on four times a week right now on one of the um, – it's, it's done through satellite, mm-hmm. social media. Our actual audience is around 7 million people wow. in the nation of Iran alone, which mm-hmm. is a nation of 80 million. We wanted to target that and target the Farsi language. Because as most of our listeners know, that Iran is the number one sponsor of terrorism in the world, the mm. number one enemy of Israel in the world. But what you don't hear in the media is the people of Iran have totally rejected Islam as of 18 years ago. And it is, according to Operation World, which lists all the statistics of every nation every single year, it has for the last 10 years, they have the highest conversion rate to Christianity per capita than any nation on earth, and it's doubling every four years. Wow. And tell us a bit about your mission. Like when, you, when you're out here in Australia, what's, what's your message? What, what are you bringing to our nation right now? No, I'm, <laughs> you know, one of the things we love about Australia is all the relationships <laughs> that we have formed through the years. So in order to keep those relationships going and alive, we keep on coming back. But one of the things I've always done is, you know, challenge the leadership, challenge the church, uh, whatever that is, you know, just challenge them to take what they've given. The worst thing you can do, you know, one of the greatest statements ever made from four lepers in Second Kings, 
uh, was if we sit, we die. Mm. So if you sit, nothing's going to come out of your life. Mm. You're not meant to sit. You're meant to move. You're meant to go forward. You're meant to do something great with what God's given you in life. Oh, mate, you get me fired up today. I'm loving it. Fantastic. Dr. Rob Carman is with us, and we're, we're going to talk a bit more about the uh, Christian foundations and history in the U.S. as well. So we're going to unpack that shortly with Rob. We will open the phone lines as well. Uh, but also, to my left this morning, we have Pastor Andrew McLennan, my good buddy. We're going to high-five in the studio. We're missing each other. Um, mate, tell us a bit of uh, your background for those who haven't heard of you before. Yes, my name is Andrew, and I'm a pastor of a church here in Brisbane. And, um, you know, Maddie, at the age of 17, I uh, met Jesus for the first time. I wasn't a Christian, wasn't brought up in a Christian family, never went to church. My family only went to church at Christmas, uh, not even at Christmas, actually at funerals and weddings. And uh, through meeting Christians, people like you, Matt, that always tell, told me about Jesus and told me about God and the gospel, after years and years and years of running and avoiding and ducking and diving, uh, I made a decision at the age of 17 to ask Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. And uh, I've never been the same since. So mm. here I am, uh, now pastoring a church in Brisbane. But uh, I just want to go back to Rob. Rob, that 412 Leadership School, that's a video uh, isn't it, of the of the Bible college, of the leadership training, and people can access it, Rob. How do we access it? Because I think there's people yeah. listening who'd want to listen to that and watch that, Rob. How do we watch it? Well, it's 29 videos. Each one's 20 minutes, seven yeah. different subjects. Okay. How to increase your influence, the character of a leader, how leaders can finish strong, how leaders can maintain their strength and energy. Seven different subjects, robcarman.com, R-O-B-C-A-R-M-A-N.com. It's on our website. Boom, they can get every one. Each of the segments is about 20 bucks, and they can download those. Love it. Yeah. RobCarman.com. Because our church has greatly benefited from uh, from Rob's leadership and mentoring over the years. I met Rob in Papua New Guinea in 1990 wow. uh, when I was doing Bible college up there and, and doing my best to die from malaria and hepatitis. <laughs> I was a yellow man. He met a yellow man, <laughs> and uh, I drank some water. And, uh, and Rob's uh, influence on our life has been huge. And on our church, he's... We call him an apostolic board member of our church, which basically means he tells us what to do all the time. We love it. And, um, but he's also introduced me to a lot of great people in America and in Africa as well. So I'd really endorse that, that leadership school. If you're a church leader or just a Christian who wants to learn about leadership and influence, get onto robcarman.com and oh, you will excited. love it. You will love it. Now, Andrew, you've just been over in the U.S. Tell I us have. about your trip. Uh, I went to uh, Texas. Uh, I took a young guy with me, a cop uh, from Queensland here to Texas two years ago as my wingman when I was preaching over there, and he met a girl, you know, and the ah. rest, rest is history. And they got married there two Fridays ago, so we went across for the wedding. I was a part of the wedding, but I also preached in a, in a few churches over there, mm-hmm. preached seven times, chopped up a lot of watermelons. And uh, Explain I, the watermelon story, because I've seen the sermon, but others may not have seen It's it. on our church Facebook page, 17milechurch.com. Uh, I, I put... Three watermelons on the stage. One represents depression. One represents fear and insecurity. One represents low self-esteem. And they're just metaphors uh, for the issues that we face in life. And I talk about how, you know, God's given us the tools or the weapons to actually defeat issues in our life, not just to live with them and manage them, but actually defeat them. And the weapon he's given us is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So at a strategic time in a message, Matt, I pull out a samurai sword and I just start chopping up watermelons. People love it, especially American audiences. They love, they love it. They're it, like, yeah. oh, best sermon ever. You know, hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll remember it and apply it. I thought it was about the fruit of the spirit or something. It's nothing no, man, about, I'm okay. destroying the yeah. fruit. I'm oh, destroying okay. the watermelons. So I think I chopped up uh, 12 watermelons in, uh, in that trip recently. But it's great to be in Texas. Uh, I would say Texas, Rob, maybe you can correct me. Is probably the most Christian state in the world. Is there a state in the world more Christian than Texas? Mm. 
Well, uh, most of our southern states uh, are very strong in Christianity. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches, um, a real strong conservative atmosphere where they're concerned. So Texas is one of those. But you can get into Louisiana, you can get into Alabama, uh, at um, Georgia, and so on, and you'll, you'll find a real strong Christian element all through those uh, southern states. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and as an Australian, it's amazing because everywhere you go, you just bump into people who go to church or are on their way to church, and you go past a massive big church in Dallas, for example, and you think, wow, that's got to be the biggest church in the world. And then a minute down the road, there's another big church, and there's just Christians everywhere. And as a pastor, as we know, Matt, in Australia, if you tell someone in Australia, oh, I'm a pastor, often they're like, They start moving away from you like, you know, this is like meeting an alien. I don't really want to talk to this guy. But in America, when they find out you're a pastor, Pastor, wow, where where are you preaching on Sunday? I want to come hear you preach, Pastor. I get that all the time. You stay in a hotel like, Pastor, how are you today? Like it's the complete opposite to Australia. So it's good to go there for about a week and feel like you're kind of a big deal for a week. And then you come back to Australia and back to reality, back to reality. Yeah. Now we're going to unpack uh, the, the topic of, you know, the Christian heritage, the Christian history in the U.S. Love that stuff. Uh, Rob, you, you're a bit of an expert, mate, of course, from the U.S. Uh, tell us a bit of uh, your take on the Christian foundations of the U.S. Well, what, what's uh, one of the things that's fascinating that a lot of times is, is never told correctly is the whole pilgrim story. Mm. So, you know, they, the Mayflower was the size of a volleyball court. I mean, it was little, and there was about 103 pilgrims on that. And as they sailed across, number one, they did not leave England for religious freedom. They went to Amsterdam for religious freedom. But while they were in Amsterdam, they recognized that all their children, their posterity, were being influenced in an ungodly way. That was the main reason for posterity's sake and for the gospel's sake that they came this way. Uh, they came to the United States to begin with. So there's a bit of a misnomer. But on that way over, which is a fascinating story, Matt, there was a. They actually wanted to land further south than they did, but um, uh, because of the climate and the time of year that it was, it was uh, uh, 1620 November 1621. But a wind pushed the Mayflower in a northern position, and when it landed, they landed in the only place where they would never be attacked. It, it was uh, uh, there was a tribe of Indians that used to live there that were mysteriously wiped out through some type of sickness prior to them coming. They would have no knowledge of this whatsoever. But the Indians were superstitious, and so they wouldn't go on that land. No tribes would go on that land. That's why they were able to maintain themselves without being eliminated. But in that process of that story, as soon as they hit that that eastern shoreboard of the United States, they planted a cross in the sand and they committed that land to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, as you unfold in the development of the United States, the 13 original colonies, you discover as you read it that that the uh, foundation and the um, 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 of each of the colonies, which eventually formed the United States Constitution, because each colony would write a constitution, all came from church government. Wow. So the churches at that time they kind of they kind of cherry picked the um, government structure of the churches and with it formed the local constitutions that would um, that would operate within the thirteen colonies and so nobody in America in its originality could hold office 
unless they put one hand up, one hand on the Bible, and verbally swore an allegiance to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the mm-hmm. only way you can hold office in the United States for its, 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 its infantry, you know, in, the, in those beginning years. So that's how the nation was being formed. The nation is not a democracy. It is a republic, and there's a massive difference between a democracy. A democracy is ruled by the vote of the public, by, by the direction of the majority of people. So democracies were called by Benjamin Franklin a government made in hell that had little opportunity to exist throughout the years because it would shift and change with the will of the people. So what was legal today might become illegal tomorrow. What is illegal today might become legal tomorrow. That's a democracy. A republic is not that. A republic creates a standard. We were a biblical republic, which means that our standard was, was, was cemented in what God said. So we would never deviate as a country from its originality. If the Bible says this, regardless of where the people are, we have to abide by this. So in our foundations and formation and in our constitution is a biblical republic. And that's how the nation was built and formed. And I think that's one of the reasons why God's blessed it. And it was done for the posterity's sake, for their children to continue that legacy. And then from there, they wanted to reach out and evangelize through world missions, the world. And that's what America has been pretty good on. And so that's the basic premise of our foundation. I used to teach American history uh, because I recognized so many people in the church were ignorant of it. So I would go back and I would do it through storytelling. And I would tell story after story after story, the Squanto story. By the way, where the Mayflower landed, Squanto was the only guy of that tribe that was taken captive, brought to England, learned English, raised and tutored in the English ways because they wanted to bring him back, the uh, English explorers, to find gold. And then he was captured again, ended up in Spain, so he became trilingual by the time he saw the pilgrims, and he's the one that taught him how to catch eels and so on and so forth, because by March of uh, of that, the first six months or so, five, four, five, six months that they were there, half of them were already dead um, of the original pilgrims that came over. And so the Squanto, the Indian, which they had led to the Lord, began to teach them how to live off the land. And then they made a covenant with the existing Indian tribes. that That's where Thanksgiving came from, our Thanksgiving that we have the last Thursday of November. And as a result of that, that covenant lasted 50 years of absolute peace with all the surrounding Indian tribes. So it's amazing stories. It well, is amazing. It's great to hear some of the history of the U.S. And, you know, we're going to open the phone lines now. If you want to join the conversation, you can call on 1-800-316-316. Our guests are Pastor Rob Carmen and Andrew McLennan. We're talking about... U.S., uh, the U.S. history and the Christian foundations of America. And let's just jump forward a bit now, Rob. When you look at uh, Donald Trump, when, when you look at uh, what God is doing in the U.S. right now, a lot of pastors actually support him, don't they? I think, I think the number right now is over 87% of all pastors in America are solidly lined up behind Donald Trump. Yep. And that's opposed to, I think, 43% supported Obama. And, uh, you know, before we even jump into this whole Trump thing, Maddie, it's interesting listening to Rob talk about the Christian foundations of America and how it was founded on Christian principles. But if you just step back and look at the last hundred years of world history, without America, 
uh, the 20th century would have been overtaken and ransacked by either Nazi Germany, communist Russia or communist China. Those are the three world powers that really vied for world domination. And without America, one of those powers would have run the world, probably Nazi Germany. And the whole world right now would be oppressed. Uh, people would be getting murdered. I mean, in these six years of World War II, Hitler killed six or seven million Jews, not to mention gypsies and, and just really anyone he didn't like. And I believe, as Rob said, God raised up America to uh, to really help the world and even save the world. And in, in Europe alone in the Second World War, 500,000 young American men were killed liberating Europe from the Nazis. Mm. And we take this for granted sometimes. We say, oh, well, yeah, that's what they do. Well, why should they do that? I mean, why should a nation on the other side of the world sail across the world, save Europe from a Nazi uh, power from Germany there, and what do they do at the end of it? They sail home again. I mean, I'm sure they left they left a few troops there, but there's never been a nation in the history of the world with the military capability that America has had that has not oppressed the world and conquered the world and taken over the world. Like America next to Israel in uh, under Solomon and King David is the greatest nation this world has ever seen. And unfortunately, in the modern narrative of the media across the Western world, we make out America's a bad place, they're bad people, they've done all these bad things to people. No, 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 no. God raised up America to save the world. And even here in Australia, without the Americans in World War II, the Japanese probably would have done a lot of bad things to Australia. And thousands of American servicemen came here and died to save Australia from, from Japanese invasion. And we are, we actually need to honour America and say thank you sometimes. The French should be on their knees every day thanking America, <laughs> but they're not. They, they despise America, and they should be on their knees every day thanking America for saving them. It's true, from World War II, but they don't. They just have moved on and pretended that they could have done it without them. They couldn't have done it without them. Hey, Anne, how you doing? you got a question today. Yes, I have. I Thank you for the history um, of America. I was very fascinated about that. The thing I want to know is what Christians are doing about the gun and the gun laws. And I know that I see on the news about people who are being killed, you know, um, in massive things on on the news. And I just want to know what the Christians are doing about it and how they're going to help, you know, to stop that from happening in America. Pastor Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a great question, and it's one that's on the minds of a lot of people. But I think, first of all, let's put this in perspective because it always helps. I watched uh, yesterday, I watched the uh, the Democratic debates that are leading up to the election uh, that will be here next year, a little over a year from now. And I was always taken back when they talk about the epidemic, they use the word epidemic, the gun shooting violence epidemic. So when you put this in perspective, Matt, here's what you discover. First of all, you discover that killings as a result of a gunshot in the United States are 0.00004, it is, which constitutes a little over 15,000 out of a population of 350 million. It's a fraction of 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 1%, which means it's not even on the scale of an epidemic. An epidemic would have to be in massive proportions. We're not even there. Our gun laws are actually, we have, I I grew up in the United States. Our gun laws are far stricter today than they were when I was a kid. It was very common in high school for me to have a 30-30 rifle and a shotgun uh, on a rack inside of my truck. We always drove like that. We lived that way. There was no license required for guns when I was growing up. 
You just walked into any store and you can buy a gun. Our laws today are much stricter. We have thorough background checks. As a result of it, you go in, into any retailer, gun store, and buy a gun. You're going to fill out a form. They're going to do a complete background check. If you want to carry or have a gun license to open or conceal carry a gun, in most of our states, you're going to be electronically fingerprinted. You're going to have a thorough background check that's extensive that puts you on a – then you have to go through over 12 hours of training as a result of it to know gun safety, gun laws, et cetera, and et cetera. So the problem has never been guns. The problem is a breakdown in the hearts of people. Mm. It's a break of morality. It's a departure from God. When you start taking God out of our school system, and by the way, every school in America was started inside of a church. They were all church schools until the mid-1800s, and they were taught they were they were they were they were educated as a result of and through an education of the Bible. They learned the alphabet by learning scriptures. A, all have fallen, all have fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's how the alphabet was taught. But whenever a country anywhere begins to depart from God's principles then the morality, the fabric, the very fiber and character of the individual within those nations begins to depart. When that happens, you're going to have problems. But by no means, let's put this in perspective, by no means, you will not see, there's such a misnomer because of the far-left media that Americans have all these shootings going on. If you take the main cities, and I know that Pastor Andrew will address this, that if you take Chicago out of the mix, if you take, uh, well, let me just say this, and I'll give it to Pastor Andrew. Did you know that London, a city of 9 million people, has more killings than New York, a city of 8 million people, every single year? England has a gun. They don't have guns in England. They mm. just kill them with other means. Mm. But killing is killing, whether I use a gun, a knife, a car, whatever it might be. London has higher a higher homicide rate than New York City does. So let's not gang up, and I hear this all the time, on the United States and our guns. Our guns are a part of our Second Amendment right, the right to bear arms. Our founding fathers put it in there because they wanted a citizenship that was armed enough to where if our government went rogue and created a dictatorship, the citizens of the country could rise up and take down that type of tyranny. So they put it in there as a protection, and it became part of our psychic. So Americans are very pro-gun. We will always be pro-gun, and I promise you, nobody will take our gun rights away. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question, too. And, um, yeah, while Rob was talking, I just did a quick Google, and it's interesting. Every year in America, about 37,000 people die... From guess what, Matt? What? 37,000. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Car crashes. Really? Yeah. And about 33,000 from gun deaths. And a lot of those are accidents. And also a lot of those are suicide as well. 60% of what you just quoted from gun deaths are suicide. Suicide, yeah, exactly. They've killed themselves. Take away the guns. They'll find another way to do it. Mm-hmm. So let's take that out of, this, out, out, of, out, out of these statistics. It's only 15,000 yeah, yeah. out of 350 million people. So I think what Rob's saying is you've got to look at it in context. And I think if you take out the top five cities in America, the top, New York, Chicago, L.A., 
Uh, if you take out the gun crime from those top five cities, the gun crime in America is the same as Europe, believe mm. it or not. Mm. And the gun crime in the big cities is actually gang-on-gang violence, and they're illegal firearms. So unfortunately... Even if they change the gun laws in America tomorrow in every state, which is never going to happen, but even if they did, the illegal firearms would still be in the hands of gangs, these gangsters, and they're the ones killing most of the people. So it's it's a really uh, complicated issue, but again, our media... Uh, just leans towards the left-wing media in America, and we just hear all the bad stories and all the negativity around this issue. But it's a it's a very complicated issue, but a very good question. Thanks for calling in. And any more thoughts on that? Um, no, it's that's that's really great to to know about that, and it's fantastic, you know. And I'm just praying that um, you know that quite a few um, people over there um, will uh, also know Jesus as well. You know, I'm glad that. It started out as a Christian organisation and it still is um, in other parts of America. And I'm just glad that uh, I hope that many will turn their lives over to the Lord too. Mm. Amen. And you've hit the nail on the head because mental health is the issue in all of our nations today. Australia has about a 20% rate of uh, adult mental health issues. America's about 18 19%. And unfortunately, it's people with mental health issues that want to go out and hurt people. Normal people don't want to hurt people. So, you know, like we've seen in Europe, I mean, you can hire a big truck, as that clown did in Germany or France, and just ran over all those people in the name of his religion. You don't need a gun to kill someone, but the issue is mental health, insanity, and just pure evil. And as you said, you know, we just need to pray for all of our nations that we get more people saved and healed and set free from mental illness so that people can be made whole again. And instead of wanting to hurt people, they want to care for people. They want to love people. They want to show compassion towards people. And that's the gospel, and that's the hope that we have. So uh, what a great a great response there to that question. God bless you. Thanks for calling in, huh? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. God bless. And we've got Stephen on the line. How are you, Stephen? Good, thanks. Have you got a question or a comment? Well, comment, actually, a friend of mine is a Baptist pastor. He was in Brisbane, but now he's over in a little place called Fairfield, Texas. And they have guns there, like they carry guns, like we carry mobile phones. And he says, it's not a problem. It's not this problem that everyone has perceived it to be. Um, he said, it's, you know, he says it's all been blown out of proportion. He says, and most people, he said, that it's only the... Uh, it's the, the what we what he call the Yahoos are the ones that are portrayed as being the ones that uh, are gun the gun nuts. But um, most he said ninety nine point nine percent of the people are so responsible with them. Um, they they take care of them and they know that what what these things are doing. They don't go doing things like Homer Simpson, like to open a can of beer um, or a bottle of beer and just taking a. a, a Yeah, yeah, so true, Stephen. That's a really valid point and a good point. And you're bang on, mate. Yeah, there's just a lot of hype in the media about that. But um, we're going to move on from the the gun topic uh, right now. And, you know, Dr. Rob was talking earlier about the Christian history of America, and I love their history. I, I did a degree in history at university, mate. Did you know that? Really? I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, modern history. And I, special, I, I focused on American history. And I love the story Rob said there was 13 colonies. You know, those 13 colonies in the 1740s, they experienced what was known as the Great Awakening, a revival where God moved powerfully and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were saved. And that revival basically shaped the thinking of the average American, which helped them formulate their revolution and the principles of their revolution against the British. And, and you know, ideas such as freedom or liberty, justice, redemption, 
good versus evil and equality, the equality of all peoples, all men created equal under God. These ideas really came out of that revival, and that's what we see in the U.S. Constitution. That's what we see in U.S. culture. And it's interesting that 86% of American pastors, and I'm sure a large percentage of Christians in America, support Donald Trump. Now, I remember before Trump's election win in 2016, which I predicted, by the way. I don't know if you remember that, Matty, <laughs> but I remember. could see the writing. I saw the hand writing on the wall, and I knew Trump was going to win the election. I told everyone who was willing to listen. But, um, you know, I, I, I said to a good Christian man about that, I said, you know, Trump's going to win the election. You know what he said? Oh, if he wins, he's going to blow up the world. We're going to have a nuclear war. And it was amazing the negativity around Trump. Uh, The media did such a good job of portraying him as this crazy modern version of Hitler with, you know, all sorts of baggage and weirdness and craziness. But um, it's interesting that today in America, most pastors and most Christians support Donald Trump. Now, Rob, can you maybe shine some light on that? Why are the Christians in America so pro-Trump? Well, I think... People in general, first of all, uh, the economy has a has a huge bearing uh, in the United States or any country on the way people vote. You know, the old adage is you vote based on your pocketbook. So our economy is literally roaring under Trump. The eight years of Obama, we were totally stale where the economy is concerned. We weren't going anywhere. We couldn't post any growth. We've been over 3 to 4% every quarter in actual growth, actual GDP within the United States since he took office. Five million new jobs have been added in the United States. We have the lowest unemployment in the history of our nation for Americans. The, uh, hang on a the, second. Hang on. You're saying it's the lowest unemployment rate today than you've ever had in than history. Than we've ever had, and it's the lowest for African Americans, Asian Americans, and Latin Americans Ever that it's wow. ever been. Incredible. Lowest unemployment, highest growth rate. The, the nation is roaring. And one of the reasons why is if you look at all of the stipulations and all of the regulations that past administrations have added, and they actually did it, they, they, they showed them. They were three meters high of paper stacked up from, and they showed what uh, uh, our regulations in 1960 compared to our regulations now. And it went from a little stack of about a half a meter to three meters. Yep. Donald Trump came in. They put a red ribbon, and he cut the thing in half, and he said, I'm bringing it down lower than 1960. There's so many re- – and they stifle growth. Yep. They completely ruined it. And these regulations have nothing to do with the, um, with the uh, 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 climate, the um, – um, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, um, uh, why the climate environmental? Yeah, they have nothing to do with it. Yeah, they're just a they just they, they, it, they it's a justification of somebody's job yeah. in the government. So mm-hmm. they add more regulations, justify a job, add more regulations, justify until you swell the government so big. That you literally strangle the economy. Business yep. guys can't start up. You can't start a business. Trump cut the thing. He unleashed the ingenuity mm. of the American workforce. And as a result of it, it literally exploded. Now, the other reason why the Christians are so uh, backing him up, unlike past presidents that have talked a good game and then done another, Donald Trump isn't driven Politically, 
He's driven by results. Yep. He literally, in his office, has a giant board of every promise he's made to the American people, and he looks at it every day, and he begins to check things off as they are accomplished. He's a, he's a businessman. He's always been driven by bottom line results. Get it done. Get it done cheaper. Get it done faster. Now, one of the things that he's done, which is absolutely amazing, even when you consider his his pre, you know his, his 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 background, Donald Trump has stood up for Christian values more than any other president that we've ever had in current history. So, give us some examples of that. Has he done that? Well, look at abortion, for instance. Yep. Under the Obamacare plan, which was a failed health care plan that he tried to institute to bankrupt the insurance companies, under that plan, if you did not, as a company, institute within your insurance abortion rights the right for a woman to abort her baby he you were in violation of the health care system trump took it out immediately took it out he he has he planned parenthood which receives has received literally tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for the government which is the largest the, the woman that found planned parenthood was actually trained under Nazism, uh, the elimination of culture. And under Planned Parenthood, they were the abortion clinics across America. They funded them. Mm. Trump came in there and just cut their funding and bankrupted the abortion clinics as a result of it. We have less today than we ever had. Thus, what's occurred right now is the individual states have risen up, especially the ones that are more uh, uh, higher percentage of Christians, and they passed the heartbeat bill, which I think is absolutely a stroke of genius because the beat of the baby's heart is right after conception. You can actually hear the heartbeat. They call it the heartbeat bill. So technically, as all of us know, if you're in the hospital, no doctor, no hospital can take you off life support if your heart's beating. Yeah. Mm. It's the heartbeat bill. Yeah. So what they're saying, that there is a beating heart inside of yeah. that woman's That's womb, mm. and we're going to protect that mm. beating heart. Mm. Love this it. This is awesome. Love we're it. talking to Pastor Rob Carmen and Pastor Andrew McLennan with us here in the studio. We're talking about the U.S., in particular Donald Trump and how he's— uh, probably the most Christian president we've seen. Uh, and uh, we, we were talking about George W. Bush before. He had some good policies, but this guy's actually getting a lot of good stuff done. Hey, you can join the conversation and call on 1-800-316-316, or you can connect with us at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Jonathan from Perth, how are you doing? Jonathan, are you there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Have you got a question or a comment? Uh, uh, you know, uh, I get a I get comment to me. What would you like to say? As I'm looking at the crazy man, as people, the political people call him to be, he's a mad man, he's this and that. But one of the things that he did, I know, internationally is by declaring Jerusalem as a capital city of the Israelites. Yeah, correct. It's a great thing he did to the world. If the Christians were going to open their eyes and read the Bible point by point and see what God had told Abraham, any nation, that any group, any government yep. on the planet Earth that will bless you, I will bless them. Amen. Hey, let me just translate what you just said then, because some people don't speak African as well as I do. What our friend Jonathan just said is that a lot of people say Trump's a madman and he's a bad man and everything else. But what he did is he moved the capital, the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, which many U.S. presidents said they would do, but they were too scared to do it. They all promised to do it. Yep. 
and then none of them did it. Trump promised it, and Trump did it. And what he's doing by doing that is saying, you know what? Israel has the right to exist. They have the right to say Jerusalem is their capital ever since King David took it thousands of years ago. And so he's endorsing the nation of Israel. And that's one of the reasons the Christians in America also love the guy, because he's not afraid to stand up for biblical values. That's a biblical value I'll right I'll tell there. you one other thing he did. When the United Nations convened just two, two maybe three weeks ago, uh, in New York City, of course, Prime Minister Scott Morrison was there and joined Trump in this particular situation. There was one morning where they were going to, in their convening, they were had to address climate change. And uh, President Trump and Prime Minister Scott Morrison refused to go. Trump stood up and said, then he, he created another forum, and he said, why should I address a fictitious problem when I can address a real problem, the persecution uh, and the martyrdom of Christians all over the world, which mm. is higher today than any time in history. Yeah. And he addressed it. Yeah. So there you go. So, again, he's backing Christians. He's supporting Christians. So, Jonathan, thank you for the call. God bless you. Which part of Africa are you from? Oh, we, he's gone. We've, oh. we've lost him there. But we do have Tony from the Gold Coast. Hey, Tony, have you got a question? Uh, not so much a question, but a comment. Um, I see the whole climate change uh, Extinction Rebellion and their like, it's really uh, overthrow socialism, neo-Marxism by stealth. Absolutely. The same way, so the same way that uh, homosexuality is accepted through the media. It's interesting that uh, 90% of the comedy programs from America, etc., are produced and written by homosexuals. Uh, a great example being Sex in the City and Desperate Housewives both the major writers are gay men that have portrayed, uh, you know, promiscuous people and, as we know, promiscuousness through the gay and lesbian community is rife. So the same stealth to bring in so-called climate change is just a lie. It's more they're wanting to overthrow the establishment, the status quo and the family unit. And I think as Christians, we need to be prayerful and wise and uh, like Ravi Zacharias says, let my people think. We need to think about these things and pray about them. Absolutely. So and, and I think he's right. And I think the answer is, again, it's revival because, uh, you know, communism didn't resonate in the 20th century with Western uh, populations because life was too good. You know, the traditional communist message is, oh, you're all down and out. You're oppressed. The workers are being oppressed by the rich. We need to overthrow mm. them. And that hasn't worked. So now they're creating these new problems such as climate change, as he just said, that, oh, the climate's going downhill, and if you don't listen to us and do what we say, you're all going to be lost forever. And that's basically what they're doing. It's reinvented communism, that whole message of climate change, extreme climate change. Rob, your thoughts on that? Well, I think one of the greatest thoughts that I heard years ago was, a, a, a first of all, there's over 500 scientists right now that have signed a petition debunking the entire concept of what we call climate change if you remember it wasn't it was just it wasn't but 30 years ago we called we we thought the planet was getting cold freezing yeah and then we had a guy by the name of al gore a former vice president under bill clinton this that he he came up with the term um you know we went from cold we went to hot so everything was global getting hotter. Warming, global yeah. warming global mm. warming global warming 
Well, then we started, that didn't kind of fit our narrative anymore, so we just debunked those two concepts and just called it climate change, yeah. which allows anything that happens, yeah. anything that happens just fits into the narrative. Totally, so yeah. whether it's cold, hot, drought, flooding, it's climate change, climate change, and we become responsible. The thing is, Americans that I always get aggravated about, we represent 5% of the world's population. Now, they, uh, they say that we consume 25% of the world's goods, but we still only represent 5% of the world's population. We actually have less pollutants going out in our atmosphere right now than we've ever had. One volcano that erupts will pollute the atmosphere more than we can produce in 100 years. Mm. They say that even termite mounds in Africa create carbon monoxide Cows create carbon monoxide. So what do you want to do? He goes, wipe out the cows, wipe out the, uh, the termites of Africa. The point is that the earth, like the human body, because the human body consists of 29% mass and 71% water. The earth is 29% mass, 70%, 71% water. Same, same composite, because physically we were formed from the earth. The human body will always pH itself. It has to keep itself in balance. So whether it's the pHing of your blood or the pHing of the liquid in your body. And one of the scientists that I heard years ago made more sense than anybody else. He said the earth is always in the process of pHing itself. It keeps itself in balance. And so you'll have swings that go from one end to the other. You might have a, a drought in one part of the world where you have flooding in another part yep. of the world. Then, then as a result, it begins to shift again. And it's just the earth keeping itself in line, pHing itself. Mm. So if we want to come so hard, as if, you know, America could do everything it can if they wanted to. We can get rid of uh, all of our vehicles, make everything electric, get rid of all of our airplanes. As some of these socialists right now in the United States uh, House and Senate are trying to ram down our throats. You can do all that. But at the end of the day, China is is filling the atmosphere with yep. more garbage, and so is India. So what's it going to change? Do you think they're going to abide by it, even if we did? It's absolutely ludicrous. God created the world with the foresight of man being here. He knows the 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 uh, the, the length of time that this earth is going to stand. He'll eventually completely remake it anyhow. Yep. So uh, do we have a responsibility? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. We have a responsibility where certain things are concerned, um, a basic earth stewardship, but we don't worship this thing. It's not our no. God. No. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call, uh, Tony. God bless. And we've got Chris from uh, Victoria. How are you doing, Chris? I'm pretty good, Matt. Uh, good day to the guests. Yeah. Whenever I respond to these guys about climate change on, um, like Facebook or whatever, I'll just say the only reason there's climate change is because the climate has gone from godly to totally ungodly. And God has said, I've set before you blessings and curses, life and death choose life. And uh, one of the curses for ungodliness was drought. And um, I also tell them um, climate change is coming. Read the book of Revelation chapter 6. That's where God pours out his judgments and there's nothing you can do about it. So uh, unless we repent and change, God is going to, and our prophecy is going to unfold. Yeah, I think also, mate, I mean, obviously you're a Christian, so I think the Christian response to climate change is this. This is what I've been saying lately. Anyway, Jesus said, when I come back, there's going to be two in the field, there's going to be two in the house. 
which means people are going to be farming, people are going to be working, people are going to be living in houses, there's going to be families, which means the world is not going to end from climate change, but the world is getting when Jesus comes back again and, as Rob said, makes a new heaven and a new earth. So we've got to look at things in perspective. And the tragedy of this whole narrative is this, that little kids like that Firma, Uma, whatever her name is, the one who went to the UN, and school kids in Australia are weeping on the streets, crying, thinking the world's going to end in 10 years. The earth is not going to end in 10 years because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when Jesus comes back, the earth is going to be functioning. He described it in the Gospels, and that's the hope we have as Christians. And we've got to tell people this because I'm sick of this narrative. I'm sick of this message of climate change. We've got to preach Jesus and the gospel and the good news of salvation. And when he comes back again, this world's going to be functioning in a pretty good state. That's right. Pastor Rob, anything else you'd like to add to that before we wrap up today? Well, I think, uh, you know, I would agree with what Pastor Andrew said and the calls that have been coming in. And that is that uh, the earth, the the fullness of the earth belongs to God. So Mm -hmm. um, we do our part. You know, the main focus is for us to have world evangelism, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, so on and so forth. That Jesus said the end will not come until this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to everyone, and then the end will come. That needs to be the focus of us, the focus of the church, and not to be hunkered down with this mentality that somehow we are the saviors of the planet. <laughs> and uh, uh, Pastor Andrew is correct. This is, this, is, this is going in. What happens is the media gins it up, yep. and then, as, as they, and then the uh, educational system parrots the media, and then they affect the children. Yep. And then when the children start crying, the media brings their cameras out and said, oh, my God, look what's happening. Yeah, we have a They problem. created it. Exactly. So they ju- it's just a revolving thing. And they yeah. put the cameras on crying kids. Well, you did it. To, you created the problem to begin with. And now you're focusing your cameras to justify the fictitious story or narrative that you just wrote. Mm, absolutely. So if there's any young kids listening today, my first question to you is, why aren't you at school? Because you should be at school <laughs> right now. But if you are home from school, uh, you've got hope. You've got a future. You're going to live a long life, God willing, unless something terrible happens to you because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, as I said, and God has a plan for your life. Look up and expect the best in life because the future is bright for those who know Jesus. Good stuff. Are you still there, Chris? Yes, mate. Any, any, anything else you'd like to add to that before we wrap up today? No, that's pretty good. And also, I just want to say, um, yeah, regarding the gun thing in America, I think um, deep down the um, American um, people, even if they're not Christian, they um, have an inkling that um, one day they might, you know, have to uh, be armed against their own government rather than, you know, any ex- outside forces. So that's why they, you know, I think just trying to take away guns from people is, government's trying to totally control, you know, be a dictatorship sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We covered that a bit before, didn't we, guys? Mate, yeah, you, you, yeah, need we to, did. you need to pray for your government down there. The old Victorian government, they need a bit of revival too, <laughs> from what I'm reading. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong. So if I was you, mate, I'd get off YouTube and off social media and start praying for revival in Victoria, because <laughs> that's what you need down there. <laughs> My Lord, I wouldn't live down there. <laughs> Good on you, Chris. Thank Thanks you. so much for your God call. Bless. God bless. Bye. And we do have Focus on the Family coming up in just a moment. But before we do wrap up today, uh, I just wanted to uh, mention the website for uh, Rob Carman. So if people want to find out more about your ministry, what's the best place for them to go, brother? Uh, RobCarman.com. You can spell my name right. You can spell it wrong. I bought all the You domains. bought the car man and the car man. You car got man. both of them. I got both of them. And look, as a pastor, I'd say this, if there's any pastors listening, Rob's been preaching in our church, doing leadership nights for us for years, and it's amazing. And he does come to Australia fairly often. So if you're looking for one of the best speakers 
you can get, then uh, get onto that website, robcarman.com, and invite him into your church, into your leadership team, and he will be a great blessing. He's got a great heart for Australia, and he's helped a lot of churches, a lot of pastors out in the last you know 20-odd years, I would say, since he's been coming. Wonderful, Rob. And, of course, 17 Mile Church. People can look that up in 17 Brisbane. 17 miles from Ipswich by barge. That's why it's called 17 Mile Rocks. It's a suburb of Brisbane, and it's an exciting place to be on Sunday. I love going there anyway. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.